Yes. Yes, that's the emergency podcast klaxon. Can you can you hear that? I don't want to do this. I had other plans today. But 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 here we are. Leeds completing the transition from Marcello Bielsa to Big Sam. It is so weird. I had to do it. We had to had to sit down, had to to turn on the microphone and and just do something because this is too weird to just ignore. We got we got to go. We got to go. I had completely different plans today, but you know, he's back. He's back. You know on 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 trends um actually by the way this is the Lars Resort this is an emergency episode of the Lars Resort with me Lars Sievertson uh brought to you by Betson and Big Sam he hasn't he hasn't sponsored us at all Big Sam but he is the reason this episode is happening uh, make no mistake about that you know on trains and buses they have this thing where it says in case of emergency break glass well it turns out that actually premier league uh, football executives they also have that in their offices in the corner there's a thing where it says in case of relegation woe break glass and, and if you break it inside there's just like a, an old burner phone like a nokia and, and that phone it's got one number in the phone book it's it's big sam it's it's coming back if you, if you call it on the other end there's, it rings and it's a phone somewhere goes off in a five bedroom mansion in the Costa Brava or whatever the hell it is. Actually, that's probably a few years ago. He probably hangs out in Doha with Richard Keys mostly now, I would imagine. But yeah, it's Big Sam. He's coming back, the serial rescuer of stricken Premier League football clubs, except West Brom. We're not talking about that, but all the other ones he's saved. Big Sam Allardyce back in the game. Just, just you know. Just what I Yeah, just just as yeah, that that's that was Big Sam right there. Can you tell that that I've learned how to sort of grab audio files uh, from from YouTube very easily? Yeah, might be more sound effects going forward. I don't know. It does does take a bit of work to do it, but uh, yeah, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Uh. Just when I thought I was out. Yeah, here he goes again. Um, okay. No, no, that, that that was the klaxon. That was the klaxon again. Um, anyway. Big Sam Allardyce, a controversial figure, a figure of some discussion and debate. For some, he is a dinosaur. For others, you know, he's a straight-talking throwback to an era where where men were men and and the ball got launched. Uh, but, but he's also, in his time, was an innovator. I saw one sort of hot take, and it's very unfair because I didn't read the whole article. Maybe the article made more sense. But I did see one journalist put up something about Leeds, you know, ditching their, their money ball pretensions for, you know, the good old pragmatism of Sam, which made no sense at all. I mean, Sam Eldice is one of the most obvious money ballers in modern Premier League history. He's, you know, he even learned, like he took his inspiration from the States. Uh, it was towards the end of his playing career. He had a little sojourn over in the NASL, uh, the NASL, uh, as no one called it, I don't think. Did they call it that? They should call it that, uh, where he played for the Tampa Bay Rowdies uh, for a bit. And, and they, the Tampa Bay Rowdies, they shared facilities with the NFL uh, franchise there. And, and Sam sort of had his eyes opened by just all the staff 
the NFL guys had like the oh, attacking coaches, the defensive coaches. They had dudes whose only job was doing the strapping, you know, and then he sort of comes back to England where at this point, you know, there's a bit of money sloshing around at the top end, but they're still got like one manager and an assistant manager and a kit man and a tea lady, you know, it's not that professional yet. And and he, he got inspiration from that. We all, I'm sure if you're a listener of a certain age or just someone who's interested in history, you'll remember his Bolton team, who were one of the very first teams if not the first team in england to really use like video analysis quite seriously and also data analysis they did this thing where they they did research on where the ball ends up after corners you know after the ball has gone into the area it gets headed away where does it usually drop and then they made sure like statistically the areas where the ball was most likely to drop after a corner they made sure there was someone there to to, to retake possession so, so they were doing this stuff that like seems really like boneheadedly obvious now but but in the bolton days uh of, of sam allardyce this this was super innovative and he you know he, another sort of money bolly thing he did was he kind of found value in the transfer market by signing you know some older players with a lot of experience of course we say value he did put them on quite high wages and you couldn't sell them on for anything so i, I guess the concept of value is a little bit uh, uh yeah it could be disputed here but the point is he definitely made bolton much better than they, they might have you know than they otherwise would have been and, and reached some some dizzy heights with them made them a uh, uh, feared and dreaded the team amongst opponents for for being physical for being strong but also for being clever and having a couple of really classy players in there um he is i i've, I've kind of come around on sam allardyce i'm as a young man i probably found him very obnoxious and i didn't like his teams very much but but he is a character he is interesting uh sam allardyce um what can be grating about him uh, and this is something that annoys me a lot, is that he, he kind of wants it both ways, you know? Uh, Big Sam, clearly a very... He is clearly very resentful at the notion that, like, possession football and players that can pass to each other is, like, a great thing and that this is really entertaining. He's even, like, suggested that it's, like, just because the media keeps telling people that that teams that can keep the ball are good and fun to listen to and people sort of buy into that and it's 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 not that people enjoy watching skillful players play the game skillfully it's just a media thing we're all being manipulated by by big possession (laughs) whatever it is so he's very resentful of that the idea that entertainment matters and he really believes in his sort of direct way of playing he thinks it's the best way of playing and all all the other stuff is just vanity but at the same time, he will also strenuously deny that his teams have played bad football and that they've actually played great football. And the fact that he's all route one is just a media creation. Yeah, the, the sort of so-called entertaining football that the fake news media keeps telling talking about is all vanity and nonsense. Just, but by the way, if entertainment does matter, my teams have also been really good would be that would be the Sam Allardyce line on this. And I would recommend, I know this is the stuff you kind of come to this podcast for uh, to a large extent, and we're going to touch on some of it, but if you really want to go deep on Big Sam, yeah, I'm not happy with that sentence. Uh, <laughs> it stays in, but we're going to rephrase. If you want to know more, he did a Q&A at the Oxford Union a couple of years back, and 
it's really fascinating but it's fascinating in terms of like his he talks about his origin story and the stuff about going to america it, it, it there is a in terms of if you have an interest in modern premier league history there is a chapter in that book to be written titled big sam <laughs> and uh, and all of that but but i also just have to say like the depth of his self-pity is just incredible like when he talks about the image he has uh, of being like this direct man this route one manager like the self-pity is off the scale like he is clearly a man who feels the world has been cruel to big sam and this goes again to him just wanting it both ways he's very carefully cultivated an image of this sort of straight talking guy who plays direct football no faffing about you know this effective pragmatic winning football and that image keeps getting him really lucrative jobs you know and he's rightly proud of the success he's had doing it that way but at the same time he's just full of bitterness and self-pity about the way the press in particular have labeled him for being the exact thing he he says he is you know he really does want it both ways big sam and and, and if you think his uh, approach to the game is good and you respect his results then that's great big sam is proud of his work and the way he does things if you think his teams have played boring anti-football and you think there's a real ceiling for what you can achieve in the modern game with that kind of approach Big Sam would like to make it clear that it's all media lies and fake news and that the image of him has actually done him great harm. Even though, again, as I say, as a firefighter in the Premier League, he's become absurdly rich. You know, there have been times where he's been one of like the top 15 best paid managers in the world. When he was at West Ham, when he was at Everton, you know, there were pretty credible reports that put him on on more money than the managers of PSG and, and Juventus and Inter at the time, right? He may resent being this firefighter, this old school manager, but my God, it's made him very, very wealthy, uh, that whole thing. And and he has done things really well. He has famously had four sort of rescue operations. He, he, he took over Blackburn when they were 19th in December. They ended up finishing 15th. He took Sunderland when they were 19th earlier in the season, in, in October, but they were a bad team. You know, they nearly went down the year before ended up keeping them up. Uh, Crystal Palace were 17th, so one point above the drop, but they were in big trouble, you know, trending downwards on their way to, into trouble. Uh, Sam comes in just before Christmas, takes them to 14th. Uh, and then there's Everton. Well, you know, I think Everton would have stayed up anyway. They had a pretty decent squad. They were 17th, uh, not when he took over, but they were 17th when they sort of decided, uh-oh, got a break glass break class in case of trouble you know call the burner phone get sam but like after they sacked the manager before and before sam aldice took over they won one game and they and that lifted them to 13th <laughs> so while they were bad and they were 17th when they decided to push the the yellow dice button i don't think there was a real risk of that team going down almost regardless of who was in charge but i'm still sure that sam aldice would count uh, this as a successful rescue as well. I mean, I guess it's like the rescue workers at sea, right? The guys who jump, they jump out of the boat or the helicopter. You know, when a man's in the water, you don't stop to check if maybe he can swim to shore on his own. You know, you jump out of the boat, you drag him in the boat, whether he wants to or not, and you notch up a, a successful rescue, and then you buy a villa in Spain, I guess. And 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 Everton uh, actually ended up finishing eighth that season, so from thirteenth to eighth is, is is good in itself. Uh, but what's, I think, worth bringing up, because this is one of the more sort of contested uh, parts of Sam's career, I think he's very bitter about being sacked that summer or told to go away by Everton uh, for, for almost stylistic purposes. Uh, which, again, if you look at the current plight of Everton, that seems ludicrous, but they were a more credible team at the time. And in uh, Sam Allardyce's period in charge of Everton, they were 20th 
in the Premier League for total shots. They were 19th for shots on target, 17th for shots faced, so only three teams conceded more shots against them, and 16th in the league for pass accuracy. So the poor old Everton fans would turn up and just watch a game where the, the team would just kick the ball aimlessly around and have almost no chances, but somehow get decent results. I mean, this was before XG was in common use. God knows what the XG numbers would have been. Um, I do remember them being just a profoundly awful team to watch, and I think the Everton fans felt the same, more or less, and that he was let go that summer because the club felt Allardyce's way was not the way. I think that kind of made sense at the time. I think he's pretty bitter about it. He he does bring it up in interviews occasionally. Anyway, those are the four big Sam turnarounds uh, that has kind of made him so attractive. I mean, we again, we won't talk about his, his latest effort at, at West Brom. I think they were doomed from the start. I was kind of surprised he took that one, to be honest, because they were so obviously doomed that he was going to lose his record of not having him been relegated. That was quite clear. Anyway, how does he do it? How does Sam do this? Well, he has a plan, you know. He went on... Uh, the Monday Night Football on Sky a few years back and presented the seven-point plan, uh, Big Sam's uh, seven-point plan for not getting relegated, uh, which is which is good of him because that means we can go through. And in his seven points, uh, the first one is keep clean sheets is the first point. Uh, the second point is don't lose possession in your own half. That's, that, that's a pretty good... Cons- yeah. Next one is play the first pass forwards. Got to get that ball forwards. The, the, the fourth point, win knockdowns and transitions. Uh, then the next piece, next point is just set pieces, prioritize set pieces. Next up, exploit the opposition's weakness. And then lastly, have quality in the final third. I mean, and some of these are very like general to the point of being almost meaningless. Um, but you know, that's the seven point plan. That is Sam Allardyce, the seven point plan that you're paying, uh, uh, a lot of money to, to, to get uh, on board. How does that tally with leads? Well, the first one, keep clean sheets. Not sure that's possible. Uh, that, that I, I will have to say whatever skepticism I or anyone else have of big Sam, if he can get this defense to hang together and he can get uh, Ilan Meslier to keep, you know, to stop doing dumb things and go, uh, in almost no time. Uh, then he will deserve uh, the. <laughs> he will. I mean, I will. I will concede that he is almost as good at his job as he thinks he is. Uh, I, I would say that if, if he can make that happen, I'm not super clear how you can make this team keep clean sheets. But good luck with that one, Sam. Don't lose possession in your own half. Yeah, yeah. Be a bit more sensible with the ball. Leeds have, you know, they have had some some bad turnovers against. So maybe. Uh, be a bit safer with the ball, and that is that does link into the next point here. Play the first pass forward. You're not going to lose the ball in your own half if you keep booting it out of your own half. So it's a very good way to avoid that. Just get it launched, get it away, and then you lose it in the other half. But of course, you can win it back, which which goes on to point three: win the knockdowns. And I think I mean there is plenty of aggression in this Leeds team. We've talked about it a bit in the last episode. They were built either molded by Bielsa or bought for Jesse Marsh to be this sort of front foot, less press, let's run around angrily. Do you think there should be a good amount of players in there who have the mentality to to fight for the second ball? Uh, so, so that could, you know, I worry more about who's winning these hoofs, you know, when, when they get it launched. Is he going to, like, turn Patrick Bamford into the white Benteke? I, I, I'm not entirely sure I see that. 
uh, Rodrigo? No, I, I, I'm not sure who wins the ball uh, way up the field for, for, for Leeds. Uh, so they're going to have to, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Maybe, do you think maybe he'll, he'll chuck his center half up front or something? Like they, they, they don't really have a tall guy, do they, Leeds? Like Nyonto is, is really good and exciting, but he's not someone who wins a lot in the air. Uh, yeah, it, we, we mentioned the, the white Benteke, Patrick Bamford. Not sure about that. Um, who else? Sam Greenwood? Chuck him up there. He's, he's almost six foot. No, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how, how that's going to work. He's going to have to adapt his methodology a little bit. Uh, play it forward by all means, uh, but maybe keep it uh, at least sort of adjacent to the ground uh, occasionally because you're not going to win an awful lot in the air. Exploit the opposition's weakness. Well, I'm sure there's some stuff to find. Leeds have got four games. Uh, they're playing City and Newcastle, which really, I think anything you get out of that is obviously a massive bonus. It's almost like those two are warm-up games uh, for then West Ham and Tottenham in the last games where, where the points are to be are to be won I suspect um have quality in the final third is the seventh point here which is basically meaningless right do you think Jesse Marsh or Javi Gracia or Satsen like oh, damn it I didn't think of that I did quality in the final third if only I had that on like a powerpoint where it says have quality in the final third could have told the players hey Patrick Bamford uh just have some quality. I don't. I don't think that works. I'm not sure that works. You have what you have in, in the situation you're in. Honest to God, I think Sam had finished what was initially a six point plan to avoid relegation, and just thought seven just sounds better, doesn't it? What can we say? We say um, eat pasta. I mean, don't get drunk before the game. Um, you know, don't release uh, donkeys onto the. No, uh, have quality. In the final third. I mean, that's good, isn't it? That sounds like something that you can say out loud and and it makes sense. So it's, it's a bit meaningless anyway, but it is an interesting... You, you do see the sort of bare bones of the Sam Aladician approach to things. Get the ball forward quickly, uh, contest the second ball, even if you don't win the initial uh, challenge, which again, with, with Bamford up there, you're probably not going to, but you can, you can still fight... Uh, for the second ball someone like rodrigo is, is good good aggressive physical playing style um you can imagine yeah uh lump it to bamford he will then lose the header but rodrigo can sort of uh, attack the knockdown wherever it ends up um i don't know could, could be a thing i don't know the big question i guess is if you can tighten up that defense enough uh, that uh, that you don't get done uh looking at the opponents i mean it's west ham and tottenham you're trying to get past both West Ham and Tottenham definitely better on the counter. So sitting back and, and tightening up the space and not letting them hit you on the counter. Yeah, can can see that working, can see that working. And the big question then is, I think we're moving gradually towards a discussion about who's staying up, right? Can he keep them up? Um, they're out of the relegation zone now, but on goal difference. They've got 30 points along with Leicester and Nottingham Forest, who both have 30, and Everton. 29, that's where we're at with the table. Now, let's look at this. Nottingham Forest, they play Southampton, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Crystal Palace. If I had to take a wild guess, I think they would beat Southampton. I, I wonder if that might be a, that, that might sneak its way onto a betting column this weekend. Uh, you would back Forest to, 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 to get three points there. I would be tempted to back them to get something at Chelsea just because of the abysmal nonsense that, that Chelsea are putting up at the moment. But 
it's just it's just Forest's away record. They've been so bad away from home, so maybe not. Uh, Arsenal, I don't think they're getting anything. And then the, the Palace, the Beach Boys, they, they will be thoroughly on the beach by the time we get to the final day of the season. Can Nottingham Forest win that? Very possibly, you know. Uh, they're fighting to survive. Uh, Palace on the beach by then, well and truly. Let's say out of this group, there's four probable points, a win versus Southampton, and then a point out, at least a point out of Chelsea and Palace, those two games, maybe even an extra win. So four or six, maybe seven points. I mean, I, I think it's it's likely then that we end up with Forrest at either 34 or 36 points. That, that seems fair. Um, same with Leicester, really. They're playing Fulham away, Liverpool at home, Newcastle away, and West Ham at home. Fulham, I think, are a really hard team to read at the at the minute because their numbers look pretty bad. But they did beat Leeds and Everton, and they put up a pretty good fight against City this weekend. Not convinced Leicester can go and win that. Uh, let's call it a point uh, for now. We'll get back to it. Nothing from the Liverpool game at home or Newcastle away. I don't think you know the way Leicester are defending. I don't see them getting anything from that. Um, but you would probably back them to win at home to West Ham in the last game of the season, having to win to stay up. I mean, you'd probably back Leicester to, to, to get that done. So that's four, you know, a point at Fulham, a win to West Ham, uh, or the other way around, or possibly if they can get a win at Fulham, that would be six, which would put them on 36. So So really the same, I'm projecting the same thing, 34 or possibly 36 for Leicester. Everton play Brighton away, Man City at home, Wolves away and Bournemouth at home. Ooh. Well, I mean, no points from Brighton or City, I don't think. I, I really don't think they can go to Brighton and get something. I really don't think they can get anything against City. So they will have to go to Wolves and win that, I think. I'm kind of, well, let's at least get something. I'm kind of assuming they can take Bournemouth on the final day of the season. Bournemouth have been winning games, but they'll have nothing to play for by then. Everton will be fighting for their lives. And and Everton, can they go to, to Wolves and get a win there? Don't know. Wolves, again, will be done. They were pathetic against Brighton. Their XG numbers have looked iffy for a while. So if they can win there and get a win against Bournemouth on the final day, that's six points. That puts Everton at 35. Uh, just 32 if they draw one of those two, uh, Wolves or Bournemouth. So, so that gets us an idea. Leeds do probably need to win two games. If they win two games, that should be enough. It puts them on 36. Uh, their goal difference is worse than Leicester's, uh, but better than Forest and almost the same at Everton's. So if they finish on 34 points, uh, it gets iffy, but it's 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 possible. Two wins, if they can beat both Tottenham and West Ham, that, uh, that should be enough. So that's roughly how things stand if things go uh, about the way we think it will do. But to be fair, that hasn't always happened this season. There's been some weird twists and turns. Leeds will hope they can fluke a point against City or Newcastle. It's not very likely, but you certainly use those two games to go into to the big decider away to West Ham, where I think you have to win, probably. The added spice being that that's one of his many former clubs. He got them promoted. Eventually, they went their separate ways again. Uh, I think there was questions over whether the methodology of Big Sam could really take them to where they wanted to go. It's very likely they'll end up having to beat Tottenham at home on the last day of the season. But you know what? At least get a point. But you can see that happening. 
given the total nonsense of Tottenham at the moment, you know, Tottenham on the beach, not really fighting for anything. I don't think they care that much about the European spots. I really don't. Uh, cr- crumbling uh, to a Leeds team fighting for their lives. You can absolutely imagine that. Two wins puts them on 36, which the other ones might get to, as we see. It's possible that, uh, that that both Leicester and Nottingham Forest get to 36, but I'm not convinced they do. So whoever gets to 36, I think, will probably be okay, unless weird things uh, start happening. I mean, I have kind of lazily written off the relegation battler's chances against the big teams. But if we're doing this thought experiment, I think that's the best way of of doing this. I mean, Frank Lampard's Chelsea could really throw a spanner in this by losing to Forest, which with the Arsenal game last night, fresh in the mind. And and looking at, you know, Forest's away record is terrible, but they put up a pretty good fight at Anfield recently, right? If Forest play like they did at Anfield against uh, against Chelsea in that game, I think it's entirely possible that Chelsea find a way to lose it because they are a rabble at the moment. They're just a total mess. And and, and downgrading from Graham Potter to, to Frank Lampard has, has not improved uh, them at all. So, uh, hmm, that, that would really put the cat amongst the pigeons in, uh, in, in this whole thing. Should be an incredible relegation battle anyway. It's very, very tight. All the four teams have got certain strengths and certain big weaknesses. And now Sam Allardyce has entered the chat. My God, this is going to be tremendous. What does the betting markets make of all of this? Well, uh, bets on are offering odds of 1.01 on New Southampton to go down, a 17 on them to stay up. So that is the odds compiler saying that this is done. Bearing in mind... The odds compilers were pretty down on on Bournemouth not that long ago, but Bournemouth kind of pulled it out of the fire. So it's a crazy thing, but it's just the situation now is uh, there's nothing to suggest Southampton can uh, can do it at this point. The price of Leeds getting relegated, 1.53, 2.35 on Leeds staying up. Odds compilers and the, at Betson and certainly the market, which also affects this, certainly do not fancy Leeds to get out of this at all. They think Leeds are the hottest favorite behind Southampton. So they don't they have no faith in Big Sam. Um, maybe it. Uh, I mean, their 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 fixture list is tricky. I mean, I'm almost completely written off Tottenham in that last game of the season just because I'm a despondent uh, Tottenham fan at the moment. But you know. Tottenham are a pretty good team on on paper, and uh, the way Leeds have been defending, not sure Sam Allardyce can fix that quickly enough. Uh, you know, can they keep Son and Kane quiet? No matter how bad Tottenham are, they still have those guys, and uh, that Leeds defense looks like it's it has been very generous. It's a battle against the clock for Big Sam to try to try to get something. Certainly, the betting market thinks uh, Leeds are in in big, big doo-doo. And uh, this news that Sam Allardyce is coming in hasn't really shifted the odds uh, that much in Leeds' favor. Uh, Everton to go down is at 172. And evens 2.0 on Everton to stay up. Uh, So that's something. Uh, Leicester City to go down is a 2.75, 1.40 on Leicester City to survive, which I think is interesting. The the, the betting markets, the odds compilers, they've got more faith in Leicester City than I do. You know, they do have real quality there in Madison and Barnes, and, and, and I guess Vardy has started scoring goals again. One thing you might do here, if Leicester are going to make it, 
you know, I think beating Fulham this weekend would go a long way towards towards realizing that. And I think if they don't beat Fulham this weekend, they could be in trouble uh, because the way they defend, I don't see them getting anything out of Newcastle or, or, or Liverpool. And then they got West Ham on the final day of the season. But, you know, the sort of West Ham counterattack versus a very profoundly dodgy Leicester defense. I really think that Fulham game at the weekend is going to be really key to, to Leicester's chances. And I see they are 262 to, to win away to Fulham at the weekend. So you could, if you want to be a little bit sneaky here, you could hedge here. You could you could put a bet, not a big bet, just a small bet, on uh, on uh, on Leicester to beat Fulham at the weekend at 2.62 and also back Leicester to go down at 2.75 because I think one of those things will probably happen. I, I think they're in big, big trouble, Leicester, if they don't get three points against Fulham. Uh, and, and and so suddenly that you know either they get either you get the win on the two point six two or suddenly the, them getting relegated at uh, two point six seven five looks uh, looks possible. So so you should be you should be in profit either way is what I'm saying uh, for, from that one. That that's a possibility. Um, two point three five on Big Sam to keep Leeds safe, just better than evens. That's interesting. But but I have to say the more I look at the relegation battle here, the more I worry about Everton. To be perfectly honest, Brighton away and City at home, I'd be baffled if Everton got anything out of those two, uh, the way they're going about their business. Bournemouth on the final day, you would back them to win to stay up, but you know what? Bournemouth are a nasty little counter-attacking team who are very capable of sucker-punching Everton. As sloppy as Everton are in front of goal, as sloppy as they are in their own defense. They're put, we saw against Leicester, they put a lot of effort in uh, Daesh is trying to whip them up and all that, but there's just a, a lack of quality and too much foolishness happening in both boxes for Everton. I think Bournemouth could absolutely uh, cause trouble there on the final day of the season, and then it really comes down to Wolves away. But having again, having seen them waste all those chances against Leicester City, you know, Wolves are pretty bad, but I wouldn't consider an Everton win there for the betting column, put it that way. So the more I think about it, I think Everton could go here, which is me doing a full 180. I, I had total faith in Sean Dyche when he got was brought in. He's got so many games to fix this. You know, he, he is Sean Dyche. He does the Sean Dyche things. But I just think they've they've wasted too many games, too many good opportunities to put points on the board, like losing to Fulham at home and stuff like this. They're just going to run out of road. Uh, so Everton at 172 to get relegated. I think that's looking at this. I think that's probably the bet I like the most out of these relegation prices. Aside from the Leicester City hedge that I just mentioned, that Leicester will either beat Fulham at the weekend or go down. So I'm sorry, Everton fans. Uh, I, I am really sorry. I have a soft spot for Everton. There's probably something about having a slightly more successful uh, local rival playing in red that uh, to the Tottenham fan in me sort of it resonates with me. So I've always felt for Everton a little bit, but I am really talking myself into to really thinking their their time might be up here. And I think 172 of them to get relegated that might be worth a, a small punt actually. Otherwise, Brighton United on Thursday should be a great game. Um, I'm going to bet both teams to score in over two and a half goals, as I often do. At uh, bets on are offering 1.77 for that, and I really don't see any way in which Manchester United go to Brighton and keep a clean sheet. Brighton are just rock stars; they're so much fun. Uh, but you also think, you know, they do leave themselves a bit open, Brighton, and whether that's Marcus Rashford doing a thing 
or a Bruno shooting from range or something like that. You think United would get a goal here at, at some point. United have scored, I think it's 13 out of 16 away games uh, from, from memory. And and so you'd think they'd get on the score sheet. And I think that's a that's a bet worth, worth taking this week. Doing pretty well with the betting column at the moment. You know, we did a midweek one last week where we the boosted treble landed at a price of seven something, I think it was. And, and, and two out of three singles landed. So a healthy profit on those three out of three singles landing this weekend and we were one city goal away from the treble landing again so listen i i fronted up earlier i was honest about going through a bit of a drought and and having a, a frustrating period with the betting column and the thing about that is when you're honest about the downturns that means you get to toot your own horn a little bit without looking like a like a charlatan when when things are going well so uh, we've been making profits pretty consistently on the uh, selected singles recently with that midweek treble landing we're looking better in the treble regard as well so uh, shame the season's ending now i feel like i'm in a good in a good moment as they increasingly say in football uh, with the betting column but we're, we're finishing the season strongly at least hopefully that'll continue thanks for listening this was fun sam is back can he save leads maybe uh, the betting markets don't really think so it's a hail mary play by by leads as they say uh, across the ocean um i think they're probably more likely to stay up with sam uh, for these last four games than they are with javi gracia right uh, the, the, the javi gracia thing was not moving in a good direction so i understand that they felt they had to do something and whatever happens it's a big reset this summer of course with the sporting director victor orta leaving and you know what I'd like? I mean, he's 68 years old. He might not go for it. But I would like to see Sam Allardyce stay and maybe be given some time and money next season to build a team at Leeds, whichever division they're in, whether they stay up or whether they go down. I don't hugely enjoy Sam Allardyce's football, but, you know, he's a character. And maybe I'm getting on myself a little bit here. I, I find I worry less and less about what's actually good and, and more about what's fun and, and interesting, you know, good drama, good storylines. Uh, and just as as a counterweight to all these young clever managers with like their high press and their clever possession model and all this sort of stuff would be fun to have big Sam around, you know, with the getting it launched and uh, having set pieces and all this sort of stuff with apologies to Leicester and Nottingham Forest. I think that's what I want to see in the relegation battle here. I want to see Sean Dyche's Everton and big Sam's lead stay up uh, and for those managers to stay on next year. So we can just have teams that are just the polar opposites to, to Deserby's Brighton. Um, maybe we need David Moyes to go away, which, which seems likely anyway, because we don't want too many of these sort of uh, low block uh, direct football type of guys. Two, two is good. And uh, with apologies to Moisey, I think Dyche and, and Sam Aldice are more fun in, in general, you know, styles make fights. As they say in boxing, styles make fights. And, and, and Premier League, for the Premier League to be maximum fun, I think we need a range of playing styles. They can't all be be uh, be play hipster-friendly possession football and the high press and all this sort of stuff. Let the old men have their day. Daesh isn't actually that old. He's old in spirit. You know, cue up the Jurassic Park theme tune. Unleash the dinosaurs. That's what I want to see. Uh, th that's how I see it. Anyway, thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week, guys. See ya.
just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs>